Okay, everybody. So another one of our player interviews, although this is kind of a uh, pre-interview interview, uh, because we're sitting here with Drew, who plays... Wernval, the Bronze Dragonborn. And um, it, actually, our apologies, uh, you know, as, as you've listened along, we've constantly gotten that wrong. We've, we've called him a Brass Dragonborn, uh, a Gold Dragonborn, but no, he is in fact a... Bronze. Yes, and we've, we've, we've settled on that. That's our final answer, yeah. and we're ready to uh, re do the big reveal. Well, the biggest problem is that the one fire is fire, one fire is lightning, and I went with the lightning one, yeah. so pretty sure it's bronze. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the reason this is kind of a pre-interview interview, we'll have to do this again. Uh, your backstory hasn't come out yet. No, it hasn't. So, um, But we wanted to uh, continue with the series of interviews here so we can find out a little bit more about uh, Gornvall uh, before you get up to the uh, the um, reveal stage, so stand by, viewers, for uh, the upcoming reveal. But let's uh, let's back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, Drew, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and your history with Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, I didn't play a lot at first. Um, I didn't really get into it till after high school. I joined the military. I dabbled here and there. Uh, fell in love with the the genre of RPGs and literary or in a Tabletop games there. Uh, what hooked me mostly were actually the old Nintendo games like Final Fantasy and things like that. So I ran into a very good friend, uh, his name in the service, named Dan Welcher, who was a tremendous storyteller and DM. And he got me hooked into D&D 2nd Edition. And uh, I got hooked big time. So that became a big passion in my life for four or five years. And then uh, had a whole treasure trove of stuff. But as life is wont to do, kind of fell out of it. Um, and the military is a great place for role-playing games because you guys end up with uh, a bunch of downtime that you need to fill with something, so why not? Exactly. Yeah, and you hear, uh, if you go poking around on the internet, uh, there's a, a lot of posts on Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, the uh, the uh, Bolton boards about, uh, you know, like aircraft carriers that have a whole, you know, campaign going on because you're at sea for six months at a time and things like that. And that's just it, too. It's... In that, in that situation where you know very high stress or high boredom stress situations, you need something that alleviates it. And uh, the best part about D&D or any other role-playing game is that it's like a situation where there's like really no real negative consequence to it. Nothing you do in the game is going to like negatively impact you. You know, there's, oh, that sucked. And that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. We're, we're seeing worse. So you have to grab 46 and start rolling all Exactly. Over again. And yeah. even that's not bad. It's like, okay, well, that... I didn't really like that about that character. Let me try something totally opposite, and you can yeah. go that way. Yeah, well, that's kind of interesting because um, a lot of times you start noticing people sort of um, settling on a genre for mm -hmm. their character. Um, you know, you think like Owen; he currently plays our sorcerer. He pretty much plays some sort of a caster. I mean, he just sort of gravitates that way. Um, Bryce is kind of the opposite. He usually plays someone that does some sort of direct damage dealing, either a ranger or a paladin or fighter or something like that. You usually don't see him, uh, you know, pulling out a cleric or a, a, a wizard. Um, and then, yeah, each, each, you know, character is a little bit different. And then there's some that just sort of bamf from one 
genre to another and they're happy with anything and, and maybe happier with anything. I, you know, that's true. Cause when I, when I first started, um, it, it was almost, it, it's like a redundant joke. The first thing anyone ever has a sign when you first start learning to play is a fighter. So I was given a fighter with, who was a gladiator and that's how I learned second edition. So when I came to fifth edition, I instinctively went toward a fighter. And when it came time to make this campaign, I just was kind of in a hurry. So I went to become a fighter again. And it wasn't until after I've made Grand Ball and we were already in, I was like, you know what? I should have given this a little more thought. <laughs> and I would have probably actually still kept the Dragonborn part, but I would have gone somewhere else with the class. But still, you know, it, it's given me a, you know, because of that mistake, it's given me an opportunity to really explore other facets of this edition, like multi-classing. Yeah, and actually, as people say, that you know, there's no such thing as a mistake, just an opportunity for learning. Yeah, actually, still very much so. And especially when you're like, oh, I could have made this. Now what am I going to do? Then you're like, hey, wait a minute, hold on. I can do this and this, or I can do this and that. And it starts opening up your mind that was previously closed to an idea. So, And again, yeah. you draw more entertainment that way. Yeah, definitely. And, and obviously, uh, Grunville has been one of the more... Uh, complex characters because of that. Yeah. Now, um, Gurnville is a dragonborn, mm-hmm. and that has been an interesting thing. I remember you bringing it to me, and I had not planned on putting dragonborn in in the thing, but it you know the light bulb went on. And it's like this is a great chance for us to add a little something to the campaign. Um, in fact, all of the people with what they brought, um, you know, added a little something to the campaign world. Um, you know, uh, Adri with the half drow hadn't really planned on putting the drow in the campaign, but when she brought that up, it's like, okay, all of a sudden now we have to have drow, which means we need to have a drowish backstory. Why, why, why are there drow in this world? Uh, especially because the elves came from fairy. So where did the drow come from? So I had to sit down mm-hmm. and work that all out in my mind and, um, as you know, we found out with the uh, short history of the drow, where, where they all came from and where they went to. So we expanded the, the whole thing there. And uh, in the case of uh, Gurnville, uh, we've already had a couple of little hints as to what the Dragonborn are bringing to the whole campaign. What, what, what have you picked up so far? Because uh, obviously, well, why don't you give us Gurnville's backstory and then we'll, uh, we'll return to this. Well, the, the present backstory on Gurnville in terms of in the game is he was found in a high mountain pass uh, by sheer chance by a, uh, a human being with a cart who I believed I, I gave him a name. It'll come to me in a second. Um, Crowley, I think I named him. Uh, the idea was that he was to be found, brought back by Crowley, who would nurse him back to health rather than just see him die because he was in a very bad way. And when Gurnville came around, Gurnville has no memory. So he doesn't know what it is to be a dragonborn. He has no idea of what he can do. Um, he has no idea where he's from. And he's thrust into this world that he just does not fit into at all. Um, in some ways, even though he has a lot of banter negatively and positively with uh, Noan, it's mainly because he, while Noan being a tiefling, is the other only other thing being he's come across so far that's as unique as he is. So, uh, And now Adri. And now Adrian, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why he, uh, when Adrian's reveal came around, he stepped up right away to fight the very paladin that gave him a new direction that he was so desperately seeking. He's having a very deep crisis right now of identity. He has no idea who he is. He's everything. Every decision he makes 
is he's making off of what he remembers seeing Crowley do. Mm-hmm. So, okay, this is the situation. So what would Crowley, Lily, what would Crowley do? And then he does something. Well, he has a WWCD bumper sticker on the back of his card. It's more etched into the blade. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basically, because he doesn't know what to do, he's he's his memories are only up to seven or eight weeks ago when we started all this. That's his entire reference for everything he does. Meanwhile, while in combat and whatnot, he's having more, you know, when he's lost in the moment, he starts doing things that later he's looking back and going, why did I do that? How did I do that? Um, we never touched on it because it, it never came up in gameplay, but the first time he breathed lightning in his mind scared the the Jesus out of him. He didn't so know he could do that. It was almost like when um, it was instinctual. Arlen uh, manifested his sorcerer's powers and just, you know, the wolves were attacking and all of a sudden, boom, he just yeah. lit the entire meadow on fire. Exactly. For Gwernball, he was in a fight with Crowley and he almost fried Crowley because he went to shout a warning and the lightning came out instead and, and blasted the creature, likely blasted the creature, but almost blasted Crowley. And I was like, well, how did I do that? How do I do it again? So it's been fun playing that. Yeah, so um, so let's fill in that part there uh, between him being found and, and him joining the uh, the militia in, in Lowford. So he he's found on the side of the road for dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Crawley finds him, gets him into the cart, gets him back to his house, gives him some chicken soup and some tea, and nurses more, him more, back. A little more involved than that, but yeah, <laughs> and uh, as the scar suggests, yeah, yes, and uh, you know, nurses him back to health. You know, pulls him from the the edge of death itself, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so all of a sudden, Gurnville wakes up in this cottage from you know the coma he's been in. What happened after that? What 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 was the progression of steps that what that happened after that happened? Um, in my in my mind, it was a it was actually a p- pretty significant chunk because he woke up cognizant, able to think, able to speak, but a lot of it was instinctual. And it took Crowley weeks to help get to a point where they could communicate even basically. Um, and Crowley couldn't leave him behind, so he kind of Guerinval basically became not necessarily a half wit, but a half witted assistant. He mm-hmm. was learning from Crowley. Um, and as his uh, motor skills improved and his mind became sharper with co- just normal conversation, he started realizing, I understand more and I can speak and I can form thoughts. But he's also realizing as when he was being talked to, there was another language in his head, which he assumes is what his original language is. Mm-hmm. So while he can speak draconic, it's more an instinctual reply. He's, it's something he has to think about doing because it doesn't nothing quite meshes in his head still. Um and it wasn't until one of the his jobs went awry with Crowley that the rest of his ability started manifesting. Uh, Crowley was knocked down. The caravan they were protecting was overrun. And there was a shield and a flail laying on the ground, a bigger one. So he picked up both of those. And as soon as he touched them, he exploded into action. And when everything was done, he's, sitting, he's looking at what the damage he wrought to the Dakers with Crowley staring out in confusion and... Everything just felt right. So, so he had, he had like, a Matrix moment. He's like, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> exactly. Actually, not not too far off of that. So yeah, he basically he knew Kung Fu. So they started developing those actually. So then it became more of a help to Crowley as a partnership. And then um, obviously was uh, at one point lost Crowley to... Uh, Another attack. But yeah. in that attack, somebody recognized him for the first time in months. Mm-hmm. But he was unable to catch that person except for a small dented metallic object that fell from the person's body. 
doesn't know what it is, can't even make out what it is. But he's been, you know, previously he was showing it around until he got sucked into this storyline. But he still wants to find that person because that might be the only link he has to everything that's a Blake space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so then there he is. He's bereft of the only friend he has in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. He looks completely different than anything anyone's seen. Um, and uh, ended up, um, I guess, probably joining up with the same caravans that uh, he'd been helping up with as a, as a root squad member. Correct. He had, he had enough of a, in my mind, he has enough of a passing relationship with these people that realize he's not totally dangerous for as weird as he looks. And he is capable, and that's how he ends up finding this job. He's just mm-hmm. doing what all he knows, which yep. isn't much, and when he falls into this. Unfortunately, the caravans fell on hard times with the right. fogs coming down from the mountains. The crops have been spoiling. The animals have been withering. Trade itself has been withering, and there just isn't nearly the need for a caravan Correct. like there was. So he found himself out in the wide, wide world and ended up there in Low Ford. And Happened to fumble upon a looking for mercenary job. Yeah. Yeah, now what hints do we have of uh, what's going on with Grunville? Because there's been a couple of them that have uh, popped in. Uh, the first major hint would have been in the Wizard's Tower. Mm-hmm. With, I'm probably going to massacre his name, Galchabar. 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 Horrible names. Yeah, so it was Galchabar. Galchabar. Gal- and it took him. me a minute to realize it too, but Galchabar may mention that he knew of the dragon kind to the mountains. So that was yeah. a clue. Yeah, one. he, he, uh, he, he, he re- said, oh, one of the barbarians, excuse me, wrong voice. Oh, one of the barbarians from the mountains. Correct. So that was, and that actually flew over my head and actually flew over Gwynval's head as well. It wasn't until they were gone and he was doing guard duty that night that it really sunk in that Galchabar knows at least what he is yes. and where he's from. So that's something he's going to want to approach Galchabar at later, mm-hmm. like one-on-one, because he's not comfortable talking to anybody just about it yet. He's still very horribly scarred, and he knows that whatever happened to him was not meant to leave him still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's been a, a couple of little hints there. So apparently um, he's a member of the uh, Barbarians from the Mountains, and, and actually in the uh, history of Pharaoh that they uh, did find, there's a whole section about how in the early, as, as the kingdom was formed, that you had basically all these city-states mm-hmm. across the Mare. And uh, then one day a boiling horde of dragon people came out of the hills. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't until um, you know, one, one uh, leader put together an army to defeat them that they were beaten back. And then that guy, of course, now commanded the biggest army in the entire area and, and was uh, quickly crowned king of the entire uh, valley. So... And that's another thing that, that I'm wondering about because now we got to figure out okay, well, if Gwernville is from the mountains, this what attachment does he have to that particular line of history? Yeah. So, so like we was, said, this is the pre-interview interview. So yeah. when that comes out, we'll have to it, do this all over again. It will be interesting to see. Um, and then there's also his the second clue that something's not right is the fact that he's been blacking out. Yep. Um, one that's been noticeable that we've actually that we actually have to role play out, which is a lot of fun. And then more, the more I'm thinking about it, the more it makes sense to me that even in his private times, he's blacking out and coming back too. Mm-hmm. He just he doesn't he just hasn't talked to anybody about it yeah. yet because he doesn't know everybody. He's definitely not going to talk to no one. Um, he's not going to think to mention it to uh, to our paladin, the sorcerer. He doesn't know or trust. And Adri, while she's unique, he doesn't know her either. So whether they're, they're battle companions, he's not comfortable letting them know that one of the biggest fighters in their group has blackouts. 
Yeah, so do you think, uh, is there anyone he could uh, bring his problems to? Uh, maybe Galchabar? Just Gal, that's the only person okay. he's interested in talking to. But again, he didn't think about it until he left Galchabar. It's, it's not like he, can use, he can't yeah. use that tunnel well, privately. At least he hasn't thought to use it yet. Yeah, it's, it's there, I mean. And it's there, but it's, it's, we haven't been in a situation where he can get it mm -hmm. and walk away when nobody's noticing and use it. True, yeah. Yeah, only on the airship did we see anybody but Arlen use it when Alistair yeah. got up in the middle of the night and uh, and and used it for spying on some gal that we don't know about, whatever yeah. she is. And that's it. Gorenvall's not, you know, it's not. It'd be really weird for Gorenvall to walk up to Arlen. Hey, you can see your bolt from it. I'll, yeah, I'll bring it back and then walk off with it. But he's gonna have to wait until it's unguarded so, sometime. Yeah. So we'll see if we'll see if that happens anytime soon. It's going to. I just haven't figured out when yet. Yeah. Very good. Well. Um, what uh, what is Gurnville looking towards once this whole saving the world thing is done? Is uh, obviously he has kind of one of the more open ended things. We don't even know yet what uh, what uh, you know where he's from and what he's going to do. Um, he the, the the immediate easy answer is he just wants to find out where he's from, what happened to him, how did he get to his earliest memory, which is waking up in that cabin. After that. It's to exact some sort of what he's going to call now justice because of the path he chosen, mm -hmm. but which he secretly admits to himself is not justice, it's vengeance. It's what makes his blood boil. Um, we haven't really gone into it because he hasn't taken off his armor and showed everybody exactly what was done to him. But in my mindset, if he were to walk in on Gerbal when he wasn't wearing anything but like a loincloth, he's viciously scarred he's just one big scar he's yeah he's he looks like he's been it looks like somebody bisected him dissected mm -hmm. him and then sewed him back together appropriately so it's really really vicious how badly he was carved up so he hides he hides that sort of in shame but uh just because it's just one more thing he doesn't want people knowing about him yet mm -hmm. yeah so, we'll so see. He, he wants that he wants that very badly yeah does, does he want to eventually settle down and raise a bunch of dragonlings uh, not currently, no, because he doesn't know. He he sees like, and he really, he honestly is very confused about the whole Noan and Adri relationship. And he's made a couple of jokes here and there about it, you know, about like when they the Ion Stone mm -hmm. and whatnot. But he's very confused about that. He gets the idea of it, and he's trying. And he's kind of like, and it's it's horribly wrong, yeah. but it's horribly hilarious that he's basing all his ideas of what a relationship is off of how Adri and Noan act. <laughs> it's, a, it's a horribly bad idea but he the has nothing them, else to reference but the two of them don't seem to get along all right. well half the time so he's not even sure he wants that because this yeah. is a man and a woman or whatever these guys are so what do I do yeah. so right now he's he's quietly that's why when I make those little funny comments to like Arlen or eight or to uh, Alistair. Alistair it's not it's part of it's funny part of it's he's generally trying to figure this out as he goes along mm -hmm. So he hasn't really given thought to that yet. First off, it's finding out what happened to him. Secondly, it's finding out what does that mean for him, and then he'll figure out his future from there. Sounds good. He's very much in the moment right now. Real good. Okay, well, this has been fun, getting a little peek into the mind of Gurnville and finding out, and, you know, it just sort of whets the appetite more for what's going to happen when his backstory comes out because mm -hmm. it seems like it's going to be quite dramatic. So thanks for coming by. Thanks and, for having me. Yeah. <laughs> And we will see what happens with that in the next episode. Until then, let us know what you think. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. 
Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at coolmedia.podbean.com. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head.